0: Welcome to The Colby Cast, Episode 70. Glad you could join us. Today, Bonnie is joined by guest host, Colby Academic Advisor, Erica Treat, and Colby teachers, Mrs. Chrissy Almanzar and Mrs. Michelle Kim, for a parent in-service. In today's episode, the cast discusses writing and evaluating writing in Colby Academy with the homeschooling parent in mind. Additionally, they discuss how Colby's advisors and teachers can help parents who need some extra help with their children's writing, We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there. I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. We talk a lot on the podcast about the importance of eloquence for people, regardless of whether they're in the liberal arts, STEM or other professions. With that in mind, writing is an important part of the Colby curriculum across subject areas in keeping with principles of Ignatian pedagogy that listeners can learn more about on the Colby blog. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. So how do we develop that art on a day-to-day basis? We endeavor to answer that today. I've got Erica Treat back with me today. As a point person in the academic services department, she has a unique view on the doings So I asked her to come sit by me, so to speak, as a guest co-host, as we call in some reinforcements to bolster the confidence of home educators tasked with evaluating the written work of their students. Hi, Erica.
1: Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for inviting me to co-host with you today. I'm really excited. And as you mentioned, advisors uh, get a lot of questions about essay grading from our homeschool parents and also parents taking other courses, how they can support their kids in their writing endeavors. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and um, pick the brains of our, of our writing teachers.
0: I know. I'm so glad to have you joining me. I, I love working with you and I've, I've been looking forward to this. So thank you for doing this with me and for this is Erica's suggestion is a great idea when it was like a light bulb moment. I thought it was fantastic. We are joined by Mrs. Chrissy Almanzar, with whom I had the pleasure of conversing on episode 48. Welcome back, Chrissy.
2: Thanks for having me back.
0: I'm so glad to have you. And today I get to meet Mrs. Michelle Kim, who is a longtime homeschooling mom and an instructor in the online school. Hi, Michelle.
3: Hi, thank you so much for having me today.
0: Oh, you're most welcome. Our listeners may remember hearing Chrissy on episode 48, Because It Rings True, which was part of the Kobe Cast Convention this past summer. We'll drop that link in the show notes for listeners to go back and, and catch that if they missed it. Erica has been with us for a few episodes. Um, episode 43, The Grade Examine, and episode 59, The Secret Whiteboard. Michelle, we're glad to have you with us today, too, and hope this is the first of many conversations together. So as I have not yet had the pleasure of getting to know you very well, Michelle, would you tell me a bit about yourself and and your areas of expertise and specialty here at Colby?
3: So this is my second year at Colby. Last year, I started off as a long-term sub and eventually moved into the theology department, and the elementary department, but with the goal that this year I would move into English and literature because that is a passion and love of mine. Um, I have a specialty degree in uh, English and humanities and have always, since I was very little, been a reader and a writer, and so I love getting to share that with the Colby students this year in ninth and tenth grade. I am a homeschooling mom myself. I've been homeschooling for, I can't believe I'm saying this, 19 years. I have five sons. My husband is retired military. And our sons range in age from 11 all the way up through 30. So this is the first year that I haven't had an elementary-aged child in almost 20 years. (laughs) So that's me. And I'm so excited. Writing is such a passion of mine. I'm in an MFA program currently, and I, I'm i really happy to be able to uh, talk about how we can grade our students, our children's writing.
0: Good deal, good deal. Chrissy, it's good to see you. Will you catch us up a bit since we talked over the summertime? How have things been going?
2: Oh gosh. Busy. Just busy, as mm-hmm. always. It's been good. We've been doing lots. The kids are into all new things, and we're staying busy with that. I've got four school-age kids now and one two-year-old, <laughs> um, so we're always running around
0: these days. Going every which way. Yeah. This is uh, being recorded during midterm week. We've, we've got a few episodes in the lineup, sort of a midterm-ish theme. So let's zero in on evaluating the writing our students are tasked with in many areas of the Colby curriculum, the the writing is a big piece of that. So Erica, what was your inspiration for this episode?
1: The writing is a big piece of it. And the inspiration for this was sort of like a homeschool parent, teacher in service of a kind, just to give them some support and advice on grading essays. I know that as a homeschool mom myself, that can be a challenging prospect when you're not sure How to move forward, how to support them, helping them with their confidence, but also giving them some constructive criticism at the same time. And it's hard to find that balance when um, you're not as experienced with teaching and grading. So I'm really, really happy to have some experienced essay graders here to help guide us. I get a lot of questions as an advisor, and I know the other advising staff members do as well about, how do I grade an essay? That's just, they really don't know even the basic where to start with grading essays. We often will send them rubrics, and we're always happy to do that if a family wants to reach out to a grade level advisor. I found those really invaluable as a parent myself. But within the course plans, we really only have guidance on content for essays. So I would love to hear some more nuts and bolts advice on how to start, how to go forward, and how to develop writers over time as they grow.
0: Michelle, you've been at this homeschooling for a long time. You've seen a lot of written work across all the ages. How have you approached it with your younger students?
3: Well, I think that when we're looking at writing, we have to see it as one component in our literary curriculum. And writing is such a personal act. And even if it's just spelling sentences with your third or fourth grader, our writing expresses who we are. And so we talk about being Ignatian in our approach here at Colby and ultimately we are created in the image and likeness of god and god creates and so one of the most beautiful ways and powerful ways that we as human beings create is with our writing and so even if you have some you know a little one who's who's writing those spelling sentences they're sharing a part of who they are with you and so erica you mentioned so perfectly that there's that balance between wanting to hone those skills, but also be respectful of that product that they're creating with you, because it is an expression of, of their personhood. And so I think that it's really important to make sure, especially with younger children, that we're seeing writing in the context of their reading as well, and what they're doing across the entire curriculum, and even just the environment of the home, right? That everyone in the home is reading, that you have family read alouds, that just literature is a part of everyday life. And then the writing flows from that way of life. And when you sit down and look at those spelling sentences to always find something to praise uh, first, of course, And that's such a basic piece of advice. But at the same time, you know, as homeschooling moms, we get busy and sometimes we're listening to those spelling sentences while we're cooking dinner or while we're changing a diaper or, you know, trying to grade the essay of an older child. But to just carve out some time with each child that you're homeschooling to look at their writing in particular, find something to praise, find something beautiful. And then to be strict, I've told parents who, I've taught their little ones in co-op and last year in fourth grade. uh, Be really strict with uh, spelling and grammar according to the level where your child is, but then have one way of writing. Maybe they have a journal or something like that, that you don't look for perfection and just let them express themselves freely um, in that area and then be really strict with everything else. The other thing too is that I do this with my ninth and 10th graders, but I've done it with um, my younger students and with my own children as well, to look at grading writing from the very beginning as a back and forth dialogue between you and your child. So to be able to sit down with them and say, okay, I found three, things that we can fix and make better in the sentence, let's find them together, rather than giving them back a paper that has a bunch of red marks all over it. And so to have it be a process rather than a, you know, check mark, yeah, okay, this is, um, this is good, or, you know, you got five things wrong and, and, you know, here I fixed it for you. So to allow it to be a dialogue between you and your child uh, and for it to be, Flowing from that that literary life in in the home,
0: makes a lot of good sense and a lot of very practical ways to enter into that when children are resistant to that whole revision process how How do you approach that or work through that with them?
3: I think that. There are a couple different ways that you can work through that. I think that if you start from the very beginning, of course, just with that idea of writing is revising. I think my children and my students kind of get tired of hearing me say that. Oh, there's Mrs. Kim again, talking about writing is revising. But to instill <laughs> that in them from the very beginning and to be patient with them, you know, like you're going to get eye rolls and you're going to get sighs and, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully not tears. Uh, usually when the tears come with my children, you know, that's time to step aside and move on to something else and come back to the writing later. But I think that if you just make it part of their writing from the very beginning, uh, and be consistent with it. I think that that's important. The other thing too, is that, you know, choose their favorite author and remind them every once in a while, you know, my children are huge C.S. Lewis and Tolkien fans. And, you know, I'll say to them, you know, they were such stellar writers because they revised the most. I've been reading a lot of uh, a new collection of Flannery O'Connor's letters, and there's this beautiful exchange between her and Caroline Gordon, another Catholic author, and a lifelong English teacher. And Caroline Gordon went through Flannery's work line by line by word by word, and Flannery took everything that she had to say into account and changed it. And so if you can find a favorite author of theirs or, or share that story or try to help them to understand that the great writers are great because they revised. And then this is mostly related. I love copy work and dictation exercises with younger children, except what I like to do is I like to let them choose their own things to copy. Every once in a while I'll throw in, okay, let's copy this, you know, passage, you know, from a classical work or something, but I let them choose from a favorite book. And then the other thing that we do as a variation on copywork and dictation is to choose their sentences that they've written for spelling or for whatever creative way, so then they are hearing back their writing and learning what beauty sounds like in writing and wanting to imitate that more so and all of that just happens very organically, so without us having to say this is it should sound more like this.
0: okay, a good suggestion for making it go better for all involved. <laughs> yeah.
1: I really love that perspective of sort of like step back and view it as um, how, you, how Mrs. Kim articulated as grading essays as a dialogue almost. And it seems almost foundational for all all grade levels to have that perspective going in. And then, you know, obviously, other things down the line in terms of how you're evaluating with look a little different, but that, I love how you um, articulated that. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: So then uh, with that foundation, I can see that if we start from, from the younger ages, building in those sensibilities, like we approach this within, with the, knowing that we're going to, we're not just going to write it once and be done with it and move on, that we are going to revise it, that we're going to talk about it together and, and learn together and draw from examples of what we enjoy in other writing. I can see that serving as well as the students get older and then Chrissy, as you're reading more older students' work, where do you see that going from there? How does that translate into um, the more detailed revisions
2: and editing
0: of older students' work?
2: You know, I'm not in the English department, but I grade a lot of, I grade middle school essays as well, but most of what I do is, has to do with academic writing, so it's a little bit different than what Miss Kim was just describing which I'm I'm happy to hear her describe that because it's definitely not my my area. <laughs> but what I find in when I'm trying to help students get better at writing or learn how to begin writing even middle school age with let's say book report formats or reflections or prompted responses I try to implement a very simple, almost mechanic structure. I don't know that it's the opposite of what you're describing, but it's, it's, I guess it's a different take on it. So, what you were mentioning, Erica, with the importance of confidence in writing, in, in my opinion, it seems to be the first kind of stumbling block for students. They, they're interested in stories, they may even like to tell stories but they don't have the confidence or the ability to kind of put it down into any kind of structure. So what I do is I try to implement a very simple structure and it, you know it will produce in the early stages a very mechanic kind of piece of writing. It's it's a mechanic way of writing. You know, it's like a a sort of a stepping stone to writing more naturally for the students because it gives them the confidence to say, okay, I can do this, I can get this out, I can answer the questions in a logical order and put it into, you know, an essay format. I can do this. So even when I'm teaching um, middle schoolers in the workshops that we do or when I'm grading essays, I'm always encouraging them to look at plot diagrams if they're if they're writing a book report. I'm sort of giving them questions to ask themselves because that seems to be the thing also that they struggle with. They know the story, but they don't necessarily know the questions to ask themselves in the in the correct order. And so if I can give them that order, that also helps them to kind of get it out in a logical way. And once they get good at the structure thing, once they have the bones down and they feel confident and when they get a writing assignment, they're not feeling like, "Oh, I probably I'm not going to be able to do this. It's going to take me forever. How can I write I don't know two pages?" Instead, they feel confident like, "Yeah, I can do that. I can do that." And then they can get more creative and then it becomes fun. So, I think I think writing starts with the creative desire to get something out, but then Really, the first step for me is to show them something very mechanical that they can do and follow the instructions so that they see how really easy it, how, how simple it can be. I think students often think writing is, is more difficult than it actually is. Yeah. So if we can kind of demystify it in that way, then that like simple uh, structure kind of process seems to be a good way to start. When we get into the academic essays, where we're we're discussing historical questions and uh, theological questions, and it's not you know a, a response or a reflection um, to a book, but maybe you're you're discussing questions in academia. Again, we introduce the five paragraph academic essay in a very mechanical way, and it seems to me to be the the quickest way to get students. Kind of cranking out those essays and not being nervous about them or afraid of them, and then after we get that structure, they feel very comfortable writing a thesis statement. They understand the importance of the the body paragraphs and that you know allowing that thesis to be the organization for the whole essay. Once they're comfortable with that with the structure, then we can add in things and and make it more creative, more interesting, more unique something involved with that also is always the integration the choice of quotes and then the integration of them quoted material and the treatment of them are they treated properly in the in the text so yeah my my kind of take on it is to try to start with a very simple kind of structure and try to demystify writing for the student in that way to boost their confidence so they can see how how easy it can be um, and then add in layers of depth and uh, different different things to add in. At that point, would be you know style and rhetoric and how well did we support our argument? Was our argument could we have chosen a stronger argument? That sort of thing.
3: I I do agree that mechanics and structure is is essential even for the little ones. I think that when they're younger. You can kind of work on both. You know, I, I love Colby's writing curriculum. I have the ninth and the 10th graders this year. And so it's so beautiful to see it side by side and to see the progression from one year to the next. But that 10th grade research paper, that is just, I keep telling them, you're so blessed to have this opportunity this year to be taken really by the hand and led step by step by step through the process of this research paper and that's where the dialogue between you and your your students comes in to play, especially because with every single step of that research paper that they're writing, they're conferring with you. And we're working on MLA format and we're looking at the structure of your research paper and I'm telling them, okay, I want you to let go now of this five paragraph essay model. It's a solid model and it's what we begin with. But now with your research paper, you might have to give two paragraphs to your minor, you know, subtopic number to, or whatever the case may be. You know, you have to allow yourself to kind of grow further as, as a writer. But the structure is so important. And I have one, my, my own children are kind of all over the place with whether they like writing and how good they are at writing. I have one son who absolutely would just be in tears every day uh, through later elementary and middle school with his writing. And it's just now this year. Uh, as a sophomore in high school that he's come into his own as a writer, and the structure was very reassuring to him because he's a math guy and he loves puzzles and he loves to see how everything fits together, and so that structure was essential for him. That was where you know, as you said chrissy his his confidence was able to grow, so structure and mechanics are are very important for I think for any age.
1: I love that part of the curriculum, too, almost how it takes it in bite-sized pieces, so it makes it very approachable, and then adding in the dialogue as well as you go. So it's, it's like all of the things put together, and it develops confidence, but it also speaks to those constructive criticism pieces as you go along, but it gives them the grace to revise, so it's not a one-and-done situation. So I feel like there's a lot of um, warmth in the process when you look at it, like dialogue and the opportunity to revise rather than, oh, no, now I have to go back to this, which I think some kids, they're like, no, I just want to be done done with it. But it actually provides them an opportunity to improve their writing and maybe their grade as well.
3: Absolutely. And I, I love saying to them, okay, I want you to get out that outline. Remember that outline you wrote three weeks ago? I need you to get that out. They're like, oh, I didn't like that one. Can I but it it involves them in it? I had two different young boys email me and say, Mrs. Kim, I really liked this topic better. Is it okay? Would you be okay with me writing on this instead? And I thought, oh, how lovely that they're really so engaged in, in this writing process. And of course I said yes. So yeah, anything to get them engaged and to really care. About what they're producing, rather than you know checking something off on a on a checklist. Sure,
0: that falls within the whole reflection dimension that we are trying to cultivate as as we're going along. Here goes on to that deeper one of those Ignatian principles of of, of writing and speaking and acting that we are trying to work more and more a little bit little by little every day.
2: Yeah, I I find when a student can articulate in words his or her thoughts in a, an eloquent way, as you, as you said, or, or, a logical kind of way, it's almost like the final step of learning. I mean, they, it, you've really grasped it at that point. And so it is, it is a part of reflection. Once we are able to articulate these, whether it's a creative writing or whether it's an academic writing, articulation is a big step in the learning process. It ties in with what you were saying about reflection it's really your own. Once you're able to say it, you know, that you've grasped it, it's yours. And, um, that's a, that's a huge step in the learning process of not only like maintaining information, um, but really understanding it and then being able to kind of weigh it. And so it it definitely plays in with the Ignatian methods.
1: I really liked what you were mentioning about almost this ignition process of reflection. And one of my questions for um, those who grade a lot, I I usually ask myself questions as I'm going through a piece of writing and to grade it and to evaluate it. So I was wondering if you guys have questions that you ask yourselves. And then, really, a step beyond that in terms of teaching would be what sort of questions should we help students learn to ask themselves when they're doing their own revisions and evaluating their own writing?
2: When I'm grading an essay, I'm not really asking myself any questions, but I am constantly asking the student questions. (laughs) So as I'm reading it, I find I'm, you know, if, if I could be talking to the student, I would be saying, where did this come from? Or, but wait, don't, don't move on yet. You haven't, you haven't fully treated that. So I I wouldn't, I don't think I necessarily ask myself questions. What I'm looking for, like I said, is, is structure first. And what I'm talking about right now, which may not make sense. So like when I'm talking about grading essays, I'm talking mostly about homeschool plus we get students send in samples for grading. They're students of all grades. um, But usually, and they can submit anything for homeschool plus but they usually submit essays or some kind of exam that has subjective questions and they want feedback on it. And so, you know, I teach 12th graders in the online, um, in online classes, but in, at Homeschool Plus, I do deal with students of all ages. And so it depends on what grade of an essay I'm looking at, first of all. And with the Homeschool Plus program, I'm, I'm also able to grade them based you know, on their progress. So I know what they've submitted before and I know what feedback I've left them before. And now I'm looking to see, did they, did they take that feedback to heart and have they made improvements? Have they made any changes? And if they have, then, then I move on to something else, you know? So my first go-to, you know, criteria are, this is the structure. Is, is the structure there? Is there a strong logical progression Um, if it's an academic essay, is the thesis clear? And is it really um, describing what the writer is doing in the essay? If that's all there, then we move on to something a little more complicated, like, okay, what did they support their arguments? And is the support they chose, is it really relevant to the point? Was it absolutely necessary? And could they have chosen a better way to support that point? And if that's all there, then I'm looking for other things. I'm looking at, okay, how well integrated was it into their paragraph? Did they, you know, properly discuss the support afterwards? Or did they properly give a, you know a lead-in before it? So, you know, if a if a student doesn't even have a thesis statement, we're not even going to get to that point. So my my feedback is really geared towards the essay I'm looking at and I don't say everything to everyone. I try to give a lot of feedback, but I give them just a couple things, really important things to work on. And then I have students who submit essays that are so excellent. I find myself really just saying, even in the comments, like this is a nitpicky critique here, but I'm just going to say it because everything else is so excellent. So there's a whole spectrum of ways of, of, looking at, you know, how to grade essays and the different questions I might be asking myself. It really depends on the the student, the age, the ability, the progress that they've made. And I start with the simple, basic bones first. Uh, and once that's there, we kind of move on. You know, parents will ask for different resources that are available. And, and Colby makes a lot of resources available for all of the different ages for writing different diagrams, pretty specific sort of expectations. And I mean, but the relative. So you may be a fourth grader, but you may be writing more at a sixth grade level, or you may be a sixth grader writing at a fourth grade level. In a homeschool, that is perfectly fine. You know, as we said, writers, they kind of come into their own at their own time. And uh, so we don't, we don't use the grades as a, you know, a a pigeonhole really, but They're useful because they're available and you can kind of use them to say, okay, where is my student? Which one of these is seems, you know, about right for his or her ability right now. And this is what we'll start with. This is what we'll work at. So there's also a lot of online resources in addition to rubrics through the homeschool plus program that, and also in self Pace plus that are on the, in the course pages. So there's videos, there's all kinds of online resources for writing and um, the different stages of writing. And so there there are a lot of resources available for Colby students who want to become better writers.
0: Good deal. I love that you mentioned the resources. I was going to ask you about that later on in our conversation. I'm glad you mentioned that. So let's let's come back to that. What about you, Michelle? Do you have questions? Do you have your running dialogue going? That's I like how you guys made that very tangible.
3: I agree with what Chrissy was saying you know it's very different than grading math or science because you do have to and this harkens back to what we were talking about towards the beginning about our writing as an expression of of our persons and so each of us is unique and unrepeatable right so that means that each of your children that you're homeschooling is going to write in their own unique way and at their own pace and we have to be able to acknowledge that and and respect that. And I think most of all, enjoy it, you know, to see it developing at those different rates as an expression of who they are and and to enjoy that as the mom, even though at times, of course, it's going to be frustrating. But I, I really liked what Chrissy had to say about seeing where that child is, where that student is initially, and then you should be seeing progress, right? From one piece of writing to the next, from one revision to the next. And that if that student, if your child is progressing, then that's that's it. And are they starting to enjoy writing? I remember with my one son who was a re- reluctant writer, it was such a beautiful thing to finally see him enjoying putting his thoughts on paper and to not be so frustrated with himself. Uh, that he wasn't writing as well as his brothers. So I think that that seeing seeing where the, the student is starting with those bare bones basics, as Chrissy said, and then moving on from there. But I do, I love to leave comments. I think that feedback, ongoing feedback is so important with grading writing. And I love to leave little comments, good things, things that need to be improved on so that, it is that you know, when we're homeschooling, you can sit down at the desk or at the table with your child and, and talk. And so in my grading as as a ninth and tenth grade English teacher now, I try to allow my feedback to the students to imitate that. Because then I think they see what I have to say has value and she sees that and, and she respects it. So it has to be very individualized, uh, and it needs to be progressive. And one of my must haves is being able to build a logical argument right that strong thesis and what are you doing to back it up and I think that as homeschooling parents you know to learn what a strong thesis sounds and and looks like because if you don't have that then your whole paper is just gonna gonna crumble and I think that that's an important skill that that has to be the starting point for we're all writing. And then of course, we're grading it as well.
0: It's probably eye-opening to our students to hear our natural responses to their writing. Because I know this personally, right? What I write, I know what I mean. And they they know what they mean. But when someone else reads it, they, they read it with their own lens. So how they respond to it is useful information. <laughs> so if I am tempted to just go start marking stuff up on, on a paper, that, that's kind of off-putting. But if I can write those questions that I have, I think that's useful for them in in all their life dealings, how they when they're writing or speaking.
3: Absolutely. And to have those little touch points along the way with your children, with your students, and to give them, I love to give revision points, but then there does have to be There does there does have to be a drop dead point right so like typically for in the online classes i'll allow revisions with revision points for minor writing assignments, but then. Okay, that major writing assignment that you're turning in it needs to be polished it needs to be beautiful, you need to take all of those things that we've been talking about so far and apply them and that this is it right you don't get to to change anything so. I think that having those little steps along the way and making them fix it rather than me fixing it for them is really important too. Because if they do it themselves, then they're going to remember it hopefully the next time. Whereas if I just do it for them or show show them what to do exactly, it's just going to fly right over their heads and they're not going to remember. They're going to keep repeating the same mistakes again. So that incremental progress is really crucial.
0: The success of that can be its own sort of momentum builder too, when they can see their own progress, like, oh, okay, I got that. I want to keep going with that. Well, Chrissy, you have mentioned the Homeschool Plus program and the Self Paced Plus programs. We have yet to get very far into those on the podcast. So tell me about Homeschool Plus a bit more.
2: Sure. Homeschool Plus is a um, grading service that is offered to full time Colby students. Uh, and what it is, is you would purchase samples, a certain amount of samples. So you can purchase 10 or 20 or 50 um, samples. And the Homeschool Plus course will look just like a Schoology course. So if, you, if you're if you an online student and you have Schoology courses, the Homeschool Plus looks just like that, except that all it is is a place for you to go to submit your samples. And there are no rules in terms of what you submit. Sometimes students submit tests or um, it could be anything. i've had I've had to get help from another teacher grading because someone submitted Spanish homework. So it can be anything, but the majority of submissions are essays. and so it's really kind of turned into sort of a program that is you know helping students learn to write better. So we have all different, you know, all of the grades. I think our youngest student this year in homeschool plus may be a third grader. I think we may have a third grader, if not the fourth. I know we have a fourth grader. So we get all, we see all different kinds of writings and it's popular amongst the high schoolers who are really trying to master the academic essay and uh, argumentative writing, all of that kind of thing. So uh, you submit your samples and um, you have a a grader, a, a Colby teacher. And we grade you, we give you feedback. um the grade is not used officially for anything, so it's not anything that needs to be reported you know it's it's not by the subject so you could you could submit history papers, english papers, theology papers um you do get grades on the submissions, but ultimately it's for you to use however you however the student wants to use it um nothing nothing's recorded and and sort of reported on a a grade report or anything like that. So yeah, and we offer also, along with the Homeschool Plus program, we offer writing workshops that um, meet on Adobe, a live writing workshop. We do that. Currently, we have two separate ones, one for seventh grade and below, one for eighth grade and above. And again, I leave it up to the parents. If, If they have a seventh grader that they feel is ready for the high school workshop, they're more than welcome to come. Also, uh, the students are more than welcome to come to both if they want. So it's really just a recommendation or sort of guidance of, of what ages will benefit from it. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you have to be that age to, to attend. And we do those once a quarter. And we started that last year. And so, yeah, we, ha- we have those on on Fridays. We just had our first one for this, this year. We go over different aspects of writing. And so we sh- sort of start with the foundations. And that's what our first our first uh, workshop was over, and we kind of get more in depth as the year goes. Uh, but it's it's just practice, basically. It's it's a workshop where the students get to practice. We I give them um, examples of stories stories that most of us you know know, and then we try to write theses based on these. Maybe it's a Disney movie, or maybe it you know if it's the high school, maybe it's a a catechism topic, and so we we get practice that way. And it's also a way for students who maybe aren't taking any online classes to meet with other homeschool students, other Colby students, and have live interaction with the teacher. So that's that's also something we offer through the Homeschool Plus program. Essentially it's a grading service and and mostly it's used for essays, but it, it doesn't have to be uh, only essays that you submit.
0: Oh, there's a lot to that. I didn't I didn't realize. I'm aware of the summer writing workshops that have been offered the past several summers participate in a few of those, but I, I didn't realize
2: there was, that is quite an extensive service. Wow. Yeah, it's just very flexible. So it's great for homeschooling families who say, we want this help, but we don't have, we're not able to be held to a certain time, uh, you know, of a live class kind of commitment, or um, maybe they don't even attend the workshop, but they they get the recording and nobody's graded on anything. So it's, a, it's extra practice um, and it's just very flexible. So Families are free to use it how you know, however, it benefits them the most.
0: Super. That sounds really helpful. Well, Erica, I know the advisors have been great sources of help to me over the years and helping supply some additional support for evaluating student writing by way of rubrics and things like that. Tell us though, the the various other resources that Colby provides. are there, things in the course plans and, but more more to that though. Sure.
1: I would recommend using a rubric for grading, especially if you're not comfortable. But really, I think the student needs to know what the expectation is. So providing the student with a rubric as well, whether that's one that you've created yourself or found on the internet or emailed your advisor. So I would recommend using a rubric for sort of those nuts and bolts, basic level pieces that we talked about with structure, although the rubric can go beyond that. And then the course plans themselves will have a lot of guidance on content. So what sort of content pieces a student should definitely hit, probably for full points. Beyond that, well, Chrissy's already spoken about Homeschool Plus and the Self-Pace Plus program. The other piece would be the actual English curriculum. Mrs. Kim has spoken about it some. But the English classes themselves provide a lot of instruction online, and then you could do the Homeschool version or the self paced version or self paced Plus version. So I would recommend
0: those as well and the books that go with those, those classes. Great, great. And I think I probably got ahead of myself. What else is new? By throwing out that word rubric, that was new to me. My previous connotation of rubric had to do with the liturgical books. We're talking about a rubric <laughs> for <laughs> um, that. Well, it's like a chart and it breaks down. This uh, assignment ha- is worth however many points, but it's broken down into certain areas. So what might some of those areas be?
2: I know uh for the rubrics I use and and we do have some rubrics it, that we all share that are kind of like grade level rubrics um and then we do have some teachers who tweak them and make them their own so we it, it's not a sure thing that we're all using the same rubrics for every cuz assignments are change and and but I know my rubrics will have categories for structure that will involve the thesis statement, the multi-paragraph body, the conclusion, there will be a category for logical progression you know how well did the did the student sort of logically progress the argument throughout the essay there will be a category for the support that was used integration of quoted material the quoted material choice how effective was the material that they chose how how effective was it in supporting their point also the proper treatment of the of the the quoted material so that would all be within one category of the support for the essay in the high school we have a uh style and rhetoric category that i don't use with the middle school i think that's probably the only category that is different and then there's you know between them the lower for me between the lower grades and the high school and then there's a category for um just grammar, spelling, and and usually sometimes teachers will also have a, a an MLA category which may or may not be combined with the support. Again, you know that's something I don't use as much for the say sixth grader, but in the high school for sure there would be a category or at least in within one of the categories there is the MLA um, citation and and how how well they used that. So the the rubrics vary a little bit. I used to not really like rubrics that much because I felt like some of my teachers would use le- would, would give less feedback. The rubric was almost like a um kind of like a, almost instead of some important feedback, here's a rubric. And I didn't like that because I think feedback is way more important um because we can put the feedback exactly right where, you know, the spot is on the essay where it's happening and but you know, I think it's I think rubrics ultimately are really good for students because Then they can see exactly where the you know the points that were taken off of their essay. They can see exactly which category they were taken from, um, which I think is really useful for the student. So I like both. Both are necessary. Um, Feedback is necessary, but the rubric is is helpful in a different way um, when it comes to percentages. So that's those are my my rubrics.
3: I am passionate about rubrics. I am new to using rubrics, and I absolutely love them. Oh yeah. And for those of you who aren't that familiar with them, you would assign a point value to each of those categories that Chrissy mentioned. And so if you want to say, and you give this to the students ideally ahead of time so that they know exactly what you're looking for, making sure that your students, your children understand the directions of an assignment is so critical. And I didn't realize that it seemed to be something that my children were lacking in because Homeschooling is so one-on-one. You know, even if it's just a list of assignments to my high schoolers, you know, and we're checking in back and forth. To be able to sit down with a set of instructions and follow them is a really important academic skill. So the rubric tells them, okay, your thesis statement is worth five points. A strong thesis that sets up a great argument is worth five points. A satisfactory one is worth four points. Um, three might be need some improvement. You know, two is poorly written one it's missing or zero it's you know so as the homeschool teacher you can assign whatever point value you want to to each of those categories and so then you just when you're grading you know you're assigning those points for each category and i think that for ninth and tenth graders it is important to have a separate section for mla because they're really still learning the ins and outs of that so Yeah, so they can see exactly, okay, I lost two points because of this, and I did really well in this area. And so as a homeschooling parent, you get to customize that rubric for your child and really focus in, you know, maybe make one category a little bit weighted towards something that they're really good at at the beginning of the year and make their, their most significant weakness not worth as much. And then, you know, kind of change that Wait as you go throughout the year, and as you see them making progress. So I think rubrics are brilliant. It certainly makes
0: it less subjective. It's not just um, I didn't like this or that. This has been so helpful and and thought provoking as well. Lots to think about and make it both very practical in the what I'm doing right here in front of me, but also extending to the long view of what the whole goal is, why we're even doing this in the first place. So thank you all for tying that all together.
3: Well there are so many voices out there. And so I I like to tell my children and my students what are you going to do to make your voice heard, to make it distinguishable from all of all of the other ones. And especially today one of the ways that your voice is going to be distinct is the truth and the beauty that you're proclaiming, but you have to be able to do that in an articulate way. That's going to make you stand out because not much of what's being said in the world at large is very articulate, right? People just kind of spout off whatever comes into mind, whatever they're feeling in the moment. And so it's beautiful to be able to ta- tell our children and our students, okay, let's take a step back. Let's order this. Let's back it up, you know, with reason, with logic. And that's going to, to make you different. That's going to make what you have to say different. And people are going to listen.
0: Absolutely. There were a few things also we wanted to mention. Um, The Colby blog has a nice series running currently about principles of Ignatian pedagogy. I'll put a link to that in our show notes. We've mentioned that a couple of times uh, the reflection piece and other areas of Ignatian pedagogy that influence uh, Colby's curriculum and approach. There are actually a number of blog posts, so um, look for that and hopefully more to come on that. Um, Here shortly, this episode is being recorded during midterm week and is going to air in a couple of weeks, but just before a virtual college fair on Friday, October 29th. So if you're listening to this episode when it comes out in real time, that's coming up in the next couple of days. Yeah, we have 11 uh, colleges coming and they're all, I think they're
1: all Newman Guide schools. So Benedictine, University of Dallas, Christendom, Catholic Distance University, Ave Maria, the Catholic University of America, University of St. Thomas, Houston, Franciscan University of Steubenville, Holy Apostles College and Seminary, Magdalen College, Thomas Aquinas College. So all of those colleges will be there. Plus we have keynotes from Patrick Riley, the president and founder of the Cardinal Newman Society, and a keynote from Jeremy Tate, founder and CEO of the Classic Learning Test. So that's our lineup. It's I think it's pretty phenomenal actually,
0: yeah, but I don't know yeah. if All right, so you can visit those colleges from our homes on that day, that'll be great. Um, Save us some airfare for now. And uh, yeah, so Michelle, it was lovely meeting you. Chrissy, it was good to see you again. Erica, it's always fun visiting with you. Thank Thank you all so much for coming to visit with me today about these topics. We hope this is helpful to our families. Um, As always, if there are questions that the families have after hearing this or whenever, And the advisors are are there to help and so reach out to advisors for help with these things or anything else. Is there anything else I left out or that you all wanted to add in before we wrap
3: up? I was just gonna say I I was thinking about the parents as we were talking. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if, if we as homeschooling parents grew along with our children, right? In our confidence, our children growing in their confidence in writing and we as the parents growing in our confidence in grading their writing and giving them feedback on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: That's, that's really interesting that you said that um, Michelle, because just the other day I was helping a, I guess he's a 10th grader with writing an essay. And he was saying things like, uh, well, I think maybe when I was asking him like, what, what, how would you answer this prompt? Let's put it into a, you know, a thesis statement. He was saying, well, I was just going to say something like this. And then he said some really, really good answers. And he goes, but I probably misunderstood it. I probably, I probably don't have that right. Or I'm like, wait, why would you say that? He obviously needed some encouragement because he, he was a lot, he had, um, so he's having some issues with writing, but he has the answers. He knows in his mind exactly how he wants to answer. And so I was thinking how rewarding it is when you get to be the one to encourage a student who really is super bright Um, but just just need some some help with strategy like getting it down it is it is so rewarding and it's also it's like you're growing along with them because you're like you you learn how to help students along better you you learn how to walk along with them each time to the next level to the next step so yeah it's super it's super rewarding
0: definitely definitely I hope this has been a helpful parent in service day for everyone and Thanks again for joining us. Please come back and visit with us very soon.
2: We will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: If you haven't already, subscribe to the ColbyCast in your favorite podcast app for effortless episode delivery. And we'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at podcast at Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad mayorem Dei gloriam.